for him. So, culminating our concluding reflection on the precepts of the church, going backwards a bit to the third precept, leaving it on this weekend to be able to come and to experience in response to the passion which we just heard, wherein the darkness of the world is, is strikingly juxtaposed to the light of Christ that is sought to be quenched, um, but we know that indeed the death of our Lord is not the end. It is simply a, a beginning. A new beginning is taking place, and soon the light of the world will shine forth as we radiate the joy of the Easter celebration. But it's to recognize, too, that that there is darkness in the world for which we need some remedy of grace to help us in this valley of tears. And so we have the third precept. You shall receive the sacrament of the Eucharist, at least during the Easter season. You shall receive the sacrament of the Eucharist, at least during the Easter season. So, first and foremost, the three general rules of who can receive Holy Communion are always good for us to be mindful of. First, to receive Holy Communion, one must be a practicing Catholic. So those are, those are two descriptions there. What, one must be Catholic, but also one must be practicing Catholic, right? And so if one is, is Catholic, it just kind of shows up periodically, just kind of lives their faith here and there, and it's not, not in any actual kind of committed relationship with our blessed Lord, is, is kind of uh, haphazard in their living in the faith. Uh, one ought seriously to consider um, the effects of Holy Communion on the negative end of things, uh, that receiving Holy Communion might be uh, more harm than good, as we'll discuss in a bit but also that the one must be, again, simply to be a Catholic, to be Catholic, and then secondarily, I think, to be practicing that gift of faith. The second thing that one must be uh, to receive Holy Communion is fasting, right? So we all know that there's an hour fast uh, that's rather, rather easy to observe most days, I think. It's far easier than a three-hour fast or the fast for midnight uh, that's, that we have found uh, in the history of the church, the not-too-distant history of the church, in fact. Uh, and so it is for us to ensure that we are, that we are fasting for at least an hour uh, before we receive Holy Communion. Again, with a little asterisk that if you have diabetes or some other medical condition and you need food at a particular time for some particular reason, take it, right? Uh, and you can still receive communion because the food is not, is not just food for food's sake, it's food for medicinal, medicinal sake. It's something that you actually need, right? And so this is certainly something that you can always uh, come to talk to the priest if you have questions or concerns about any of these things. And the third thing one must be to be able to receive Holy Communion is in the state of grace. One must be in the state of grace. To be able to not to have any mortal sins upon one's soul, this is essentially what it is. And it's for us to ensure that if one does have mortal sin on the soul, that we do not approach Holy Communion, but rather approach the sacrament of confession and thus to be reconciled so as to be well prepared for our Holy Communion. And so again, the precept points to this fact that we are to receive at least once a year uh, during the Easter season. Right? And so this point that we are to, to receive Holy Communion at least some point during the Easter season, right? And so this, this, the fact, why is, it that, why is it that the church would, would make a point to tell us we should at least receive communion sometime during the Easter season? It, it, you know, if, if, if the one time you're going to receive, you know, at least receive once a year, receive during the Easter season. And the fact is that in many places throughout the history of the church, and even in some places today, 
there is uh, the, the, the norm that people do not go to Holy Communion with any regularity whatsoever. I was struck by the, fir- the, the first time I went to, uh, to Guatemala uh, with our seminary. We went to, uh, went to a, little, uh, a little village um, that, was, that was up, you know, off in the mountains. And we went in, and one of our priests that came with us, he celebrated the Mass, and we had the seminarians there, and we served the Mass. And the whole community had gathered because, they, you know, they, they didn't get Mass that often. They didn't have a resident priest and a traveling priest, and so they were very happy to have Mass. But when it came time for Holy Communion, we came forward, and we had, you know, of course, consecrated. There's 300 people here, so we consecrated 300 hosts or so, and it came Communion time, and all the seminarians went forward, and nobody else. And the priest just kind of was like, huh, interesting. Because the reality is, their understanding was that the reverence to owe to the Blessed Sacrament is of such a great height that if I'm not perfectly prepared, if I'm not like in- intensely prepared, I do not receive. And so this is a, kind of a two-part thing. One is a focus upon the, the, the immensity of the grace, uh, the immensity, the power of the Blessed Sacrament, that it is God himself. It is the Lord's flesh. And as such, it's not something to be treated casually. On the other end, they also had an intense awareness of their own sins and that their sins necessarily can prevent them from receiving Holy Communion. Now, and sometimes this became sort of exaggerated, wherein one was told that they couldn't go to communion unless you literally just came out of the confessional and walked down the aisle to receive, right? And so that's why it was a common practice that you had, if you had multiple priests, you know, if you had multiple priests, you had multiple confessions going during Mass so they could, they could run through and then get up here, receive Holy Communion, still in the state of grace before you totally spoiled it within the first 15 seconds, Right? Uh, right? And so it was this, this thought that unless I just went, to commu- just went to confession a few seconds ago, I shouldn't receive, right? It was, it was kind of this, this unworthiness. I'm not worthy to receive it. None of us is worthy, right? None of us is worthy to, to receive. None of us can ever make the claim that I deserve the Eucharist. That's madness. If one ever thinks that they deserve the Eucharist, you have a God complex because only God deserves the Eucharist because only God deserves himself, Right? That's the fact of things. And so, yeah, there's an unworthiness that is present in all of us. But it's also to recognize that, that, you know, that, that there is a goodness and there is a need for us that none of us can be absolutely perfect uh, every single time. So, this usually is not part of the issue that we experience today. In most places, at least in, in, our, in our American context, the norm is not to encourage people to at least go once a year. Le- you know, I'm not having to fight most of you to be able, like, you need to come at least once a year. You know, I consecrate more than, more than one or two hosts each mass, right? We consecrate, we look at the number of people, we consecrate the number of hosts accordingly because the normal presumption is pretty much everybody's coming, right? This is part of the thing, though, is usually the reality is Unlike the opposite end, where many people that should be coming were not, and so the church had to say, you need to be coming. In our contemporary world, it is more often the case that we have people who should not be receiving Holy Communion that are still coming forward and receiving it anyhow. I think it would be more of a a more difficult precept for us to observe if Mother Church told us at this point in in the United States at least that we ought to attend Mass at least once a year and not receive Communion. Think about it. 
to not receive communion at a Mass. For many, for many minds, that's unthinkable. Not receive communion, that's the point of the Mass. It's not the point of the Mass. Spoiler alert. The point of the Mass is to worship the one true God. Communion is part of that for us, but is not the whole of that. It's not the entire piece. Indeed, it's a great joy for us to experience that communion. But first and foremost, the Holy Mass is about right worship, to be able to honor the Lord God, who comes and calls us to participate in the worship. Whether we receive is kind of a secondary thing, but that's not often the thought within our minds. It's so common that we receive Holy Communion at every Mass that we attend, that if someone doesn't receive Holy Communion, it's commonly a, a response of, what happened to them, right? What did they do wrong? What kind of trouble are they in, huh? And so it's a, it, it's a shocking thing uh, for many people whenever they see someone just simply receiving the blessing. And so, so, so uncomfortable is it kind of within our, our culture these days that I know many people who will, who will come and, and, and talk to me about the, the reality that, they, that they've received communion a number of times simply because they felt the pressure because everybody else was receiving their family receiving, and then they didn't want to be left out. They didn't want to be made an example of. They didn't want somebody to ask them, hey, why didn't you receive Holy Communion today, right? It's such a normative thing that we receive that not receiving is uncomfortable for us. But as St. Paul tells us in the first, first letter to the Corinthians, is that if we receive unworthily without discerning the body and blood of Jesus, it can be to our condemnation. Writing to the Corinthians, he told them, he said, some of you are sick, and even have died simply because you did not worthily approach Holy Communion. It would be better for us to abstain than to receive unworthily. Namely, if we are not practicing our faith with regularity, if we're a spontaneous, sometimes I come to Mass Catholic, if we haven't fasted, which is I think the least, the least serious of the three, or if we are not in the state of grace, it is good for us to abstain. Indeed, it is a normal practice of the church to be able to encourage us in such, to be able to abstain uh, far more than at the, if one goes to multiple masses. Is normally, the question that I experience more often than not is not whether one should receive communion the first time. More often, I'm asked by people, can I receive communion twice in the same day? This is a very common question that happens uh, these days in the church. I think it's kind of an oddity in the, in the history of the church because, again, most times they would be, you would have to be hard-pressed to go once, much less twice. And so uh, when one comes to me and, and, and inquires whether they ought to receive communion or whether they can receive communion twice in a day, um, the answer is, is probably so, but should you? I think should you is the bigger, bigger question and the more important one. Well, the church does have rules about the reception of communion twice in a day. Uh, the normative thing is if someone is dying, you can receive a communion a second time that day. That's normative. If, if you are dying, please receive Holy Communion. It is your viaticum. It is the way bread to be able to strengthen you to be able to get to heaven. So that is a good thing if one is dying to be able to receive Holy Communion, even if they have already received it that day. 
Other times, the Mother Church does envision a few scenarios in which a person might attend, uh, attend Mass uh, and to be able to receive a second time. This namely would be that if one, goes, uh, if one goes to a funeral or to a wedding or the sacrament of confirmation uh, or these kinds of things, these kind of, these kind of occasions where it's, it's, you know, you're taking part in someone else's joy or, or sorrow, as the case may be with a funeral, and you're going to, to as part of a larger community, as kind of as a, a supportive person very often uh, for a family member or a friend who is experiencing uh, those sacraments. And so in those times, Mother Church does say, yes, you can receive a second time uh, if you, you know, if you offer that grace for, uh, for that particular intention, for that individual, um, you know, but it's, it's, it has to be at a Mass. It can't be at a communion service. If you go to Mass and then go to a communion service, don't go a second time. It's very clear. But there's also a common thing that sometimes people will go to daily masses. They like to hear the homily in two different times by two different priests. Uh, you know, they like to, to experience the goodness of going to daily mass. It's a good thing to go to mass regularly. It's not a bad thing in the least to be able to go to multiple masses, two masses, three masses uh, in, a, in a particular day, especially if it's a Sunday or a feast. But if one is simply going to a, another daily mass or another Sunday mass, then I would in, encourage to exercising caution about receiving Holy Communion a second time uh, too frequently. And I say this as a point of, of recognition, that Mother Church tells of our priests that we are, that we are bound by law to offer only one Mass each, each day. Uh, so every priest is only permitted to offer one Mass each day. The law says for, for, for serious reasons you can offer two, and for very serious reasons you can offer three, but don't do it regularly if you can help it. The reality is with our priest shortage these days, I get three Masses every Sunday and it's kind of the norm, and you just deal with it. But the reality is I don't like doing three Masses every day because it means that I need to receive, I have to receive communion three times. Uh, it's an obligation of the priest to receive Holy Communion. And, and I know that how easy it is for me simply to take it for granted. It becomes a normal thing. It just becomes my regular nine-to-five job type of, type of mentality, how much a temptation that can be. And so as beautiful as it, it would be to celebrate one Mass every Sunday, such is not the option. And so it's, it, it takes extra fervor, it takes extra intensity, extra attention, a lot more energy to be able to actually celebrate the mysteries in a manner that makes me receive worthily rather than unworthily. And that's my own experience. But I also recognize historically that there's another individual of a story that I heard some time past that really kind of caught my attention when I heard it. It was about a young man in the 18th century, and he was wrestling with his faith. He wanted to, be aban he wanted to abandon his Catholic faith. He wanted to be free of it, but he had that good old Catholic guilt, right? And it kept drawing him back. He kept being, kept being convicted uh, of his sins. He kept being convicted of this desire to be freed from his faith. And every time he went to Mass, that, that, that when he would be in the presence of the Eucharist, like he, he was just compelled to draw closer and closer to Jesus. This, you would think, would be a good thing, huh? And yet, in the mind of the day, there were many thinkers, including the, the French Enlightenment thinker Voltaire, uh, who was um, not, not necessarily an atheist, but certainly very strongly anti-Catholic. And there was this, this Enlightenment thought of the day was you need to be free from religion. You need to be free, especially from Catholicism, this, you know, this, all these rules and rituals and rites. You need to be able to think for yourself, to be your own person. 
And this young man who had been living, his, who had been living the faith um, had the faith, but he wanted to get rid of it because he wanted to be one of these free thinkers. And so he actually wrote to Voltaire and inquired about, how is it that I can leave behind my faith for good? How is it that I can, that I can finally be freed from this attraction to the Eucharist and attraction to the Mass and the Catholic things so I can be this enlightened thinker? The response of Voltaire was this. It would go to communion every single day. If you can go multiple times, three times, four times, five times, six times to Mass, go and receive communion every time. And when you do so, think to yourself, this is such superstition. But then also, make sure you do not go to confession. Simply remain in your sins and receive communion as often as possible. And the man, the young boy, or the young man, I guess, receiving this response from Voltaire, put it into action. And he gladly wrote back to him, not four months later, and he says, your prescription has been effective. I have lost my faith. I no longer believe. I renounce all of it. When we come to Holy Communion, if we come with a heart that is cold, if we come frequently, but without devotion, it will be for our detriment. It may not physically kill us, like St. Paul testified to the Corinthians, but it can certainly do damage to our soul. And so it's for us to be mindful of these things and the manner in which we approach Holy Communion. I say all of this not to discourage you from receiving Holy Communion, but to encourage you to receive it worthily, to receive it well, and indeed, as Pius X, St. Pius X would encourage us to receive it frequently. To be able to do these things will be a great benefit for our soul. It will be the means of our salvation. But if we come only with a light bit of love within our hearts, if we come only with little fervor, little love, if we come only with a little bit of devotion and a little bit of desire to change our hearts, Sometimes what we receive can be more for our condemnation and for our harm than for our good. And so, let us ask our Lord to increase in our fervor. Let us ask him to increase within us the love for him that he himself can place there. That whenever we approach the holy altar, when we come to bend our knees before the rail, it may not be a thing of simply rote action or just the, the mechanics of this is what we do, but rather it is a recognition of us coming to be able to encounter the one true God once again. It is to be at Calvary. It is to behold the crucified one with our very eyes. It is to be able to receive him, the bread of life that is our salvation. There are numerous works on Holy Communion, on the Eucharist in general, but there are two things I would particularly encourage you uh, to be able to take up. One of them is free and easy to find. One of them is not free and is a little more difficult. The one that's free is the talk by Father Todd Lloyd that he gave here at our Lenten series just a couple of weeks ago. It was on Holy Communion. It was a 45-minute exposition on Holy Communion, on the gift of Holy Communion, how to receive, you know, all these kinds of things. It's a fuller exposition of, of the topic, and it was, it was certainly a, a masterful presentation. And so I would encourage you to be able to, to go to the parish website 
uh, dedicate 45 minutes of time, make a little sacrifice to the Lord this week, right? And we're in Holy Week, do a little something extra. Sacrifice 45 minutes of your time and listen to Father Todd Lloyd's presentation that we had here at the church just a couple of weeks ago. The second thing, the thing that costs a little bit, but also uh, is a little more difficult to find, is these books by St. Peter Julian Amar. St. Peter Julian is uh, essentially the apostle of the Eucharist. That this entire book, some 330 pages, is on the singular topic of Holy Communion. 320 pages. That's a whole lot of homilies simply on receiving Holy Communion. And this book is one of nine volumes in the series that he has on the Eucharist. He's got an entire volume on praying with the Blessed Sacrament with Our Lady, praying with the Blessed Sacrament with St. Joseph, praying before the tabernacle, the Eucharist in general, the gift of the Eucharist itself, and more. It's a nine-volume series. If you can find any of them, I know we've got a couple of them in the Adoration Chapel. If you want to become a committed adorer, you have free access to a couple of them. Uh, so, you know, the bonus perks of Adoration Chapel time, right? But I would encourage you in these things to be able to, to come and to, to enliven your heart, to read these words of the saints, to hear the things that they have written about the Blessed Sacrament can only serve to be able to enliven us, to increase our fervor, to increase our love for Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. May God grant us these graces this day to receive him worthily and well for the salvation of our souls.